Join Anza Scotty Friday from noon to 3. Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic will be live in studio discussing FDA-approved breakthrough and permanent solution for ED with no pills, surgery, or needles. We are joined now by Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks. It's time to talk a little Pac-12 football and Utah football. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks, Oakland Raider analyst. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? We are doing well. We are gearing up for a big game here. Arizona State and Utah. A couple of 5-1 and teams. Do you feel like you really know either one of these teams, or do you feel like this game's going to be revealing? Or do you feel like you've got a pretty good handle on it? No, no, this game is definitely going to be revealing. And it's funny that you mentioned it because I was just having a discussion the other day. It was like, what do you really, you know, someone had asked me, you know, living in Phoenix, well, what do you see out of, uh, out of Herm Edwards' team? And I say, well, first of all, you know they're well coached because they've got enough NFL experience and coaching experience to, to be, you know, challenging, rival any NFL team. They're well coached and they're, and they're pretty disciplined for a fairly young team. And of course, when you talk about the quarterback play, uh, that's one that comes into view most often. Um, but, but you still don't know what you have team wise because I don't really know how much you put into the whole, um, you know, Michigan State game and, and stuff like that. But, um, there are, there are a number of things that you're looking out to, for this team to really step up. I think for both teams, Utah and A-State, this game will be extremely revealing. Line is 13 and a half, and recognizing that Herm Edwards has played 12 conference games since he's been at Arizona State, and not one of them has he lost by more than seven. To see it at 13 and a half is really a compliment for Utah, I believe. But I also think that, or at least from my perspective, I was surprised it was that high. So was I, especially based on the history between these two teams. Um, you know, for the most part, uh, Arizona State has what has controlled the, the overall record, uh, especially since Utah have been in the conference. So um, I was I was surprised as at all. But you know what, Utah is also playing very well. I mean, they have a tremendous amount of balance. You know how good their defense is. I think their defense, the last check, was ranked in like 45th or 47th in the country, which is really good. Um, but they're really good against the run, and more importantly, they do a number of things to sort of create a little confusion, especially for young quarterbacks. So, given that, how much do you expect Arizona State's young quarterback to struggle, and how much has he solved problems, including the Michigan State game, when it couldn't do anything the whole game, and then he marched them down the field, and they get the touchdown at the end and win the game? Yeah, well, that was the thing. They were able to put a, a drive together, and I think from when you watch Arizona State after that game, um, you know, they had the hiccup against Colorado, obviously, but the things that they were able to put together, especially against Wazoo, to keep up with that offense and defense do enough to, to be able to win the game, you see that they're slowly coming together. That's why this game for both teams is going to be revealing, because I really, if, if Utah is able to come out and dominate, another 5-1 and one team, regardless of what we think or what we don't know about A-State, if they're able to dominate that game, it's, they're going to show a little favor in the polls, and people are going to respect them a little bit more, which is good for the conference. Um, but more importantly, it's going to be a great statement for Utah football because we've seen in the past around this time they sort of fall apart and not able to complete the, the, the journey. Um, uh, this is a very competitive conference. People have been knocking off each other one, one by one across the board. If Utah is able to remain the course, That'd be very good for the conference, not only for the school as well. Yeah, Will, I agree totally, Lincoln, because you look at these next three games. They got the Devils, 
Then next week they're home to Cal. Then mm-hmm. they go to Seattle. Then it gets real soft with the other three teams left in the South to close out the season. So you can easily see, and it's a big if in the next three weeks, that they go 3-0. and But then it's a smaller if if they go 3-0 and to see them actually then finish the rest of the season 6-0, and which puts them at 11-1. and So these right. three games that we have coming up these next successive weeks will really show what these guys are. Totally agree. Totally agree. And and it's a, it's a great course because you look at what Utah is able to accomplish already, and I think they got a tremendous amount of momentum following them. I mean, Oregon State was Oregon State, but the Wazoo win was was really big, especially on the heels of the SC loss. So I'm I'm looking forward to these next couple of weeks. But this is a big statement game. If they're able to take care of business against a rival who's kind of had their number over the last couple of years, then I think this would be really good for them. So this is kind of an awkward question for you because you're on the Pac-12 networks, but the Pac-12 networks just isn't that widely seen, and the conference has got two ranked teams going against each other. There's only three games this week that match ranked teams. You were talking about the youth getting more respect if they win it, but isn't the fact that this isn't available across the country going to be a problem for them? Well, I think it was. I mean, I think I was. I had the bye this week because the Raiders had played in London the week before, and I think the only – Pac-12, I mean, only Pac-12 opponent I saw on TV um, was um, SC and Notre Dame on my TV screen, and I've got, I've got, um, I've got Direct TV, and there might have been another game one I, I might have missed, but it, I, I was disappointed um, that I couldn't see other until you know late at night, and then I saw Washington, Arizona being in the area, but I mean that was it. It, it really is disheartening that the, the things are going the way they are, and I, I know it's a little bit of an awkward position, so I can't be too critical of the, of the Pac-12, but. It's disappointing when you turn on the TV and you see all the other big names playing, but yet you have a trouble finding ones that, that's close to your heart, especially in the West. Yeah, amen, Lincoln. <clears throat> I agree. Growing up in Arizona, I couldn't agree more, but nevertheless, I'll be at the game, so I'll be able to see it. <laughs> so, but I know you will. <laughs> just thinking about the folks around the country because it's a premier game, and obviously Great. ABC picks up Oregon and Washington, and watching Oregon on Friday night just absolutely dismantle Colorado. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. just send them to the woodshed. To me, I'm starting to really buy into Colorado, uh, Oregon now. No, no doubt. Well, of course, when you got a quarterback, you have a chance. So that's what we were talking about early in the year. Two premier teams out of this conference, if they're on a collision course for the championship, it's going to make waves. So these are big wins. Um, obviously, if, if uh, Utah is able to take care of business up until that point, and say if Oregon is able to take care of business up to that point, this will be great for the conference. So I'm curious, uh, you're a Washington Husky, yet mm-hmm. you watch Oregon and see how good they are. You know Washington's going to be desperate. If they win this game, they're a game back and they got the tiebreaker. Maybe they could get some help the rest of the year and they could win the division. If Oregon wins this, it feels to Pecan I like it's over. They're two games up on everybody, three up on somebody. They're going to have multiple tiebreakers already on their side in the north. I mean, it's done, isn't it? So what are the odds Washington keeps the race going? Well, we've seen in times of the past, you know, funnier things have happened. Um, and still, Washington is inconsistent with the balance that they have on offense. And it's something that's a little bit concerning to me because when you take on a team like Oregon, you really have to have all cylinders click. We've seen flashes. I've seen flashes of Washington, you know, with the run game. Uh, but the inconsistency at receiver play is really something uh, somewhat limited me. And as well, I mean, uh, made me a little bit more optimistic, not least optimistic is the words I'm trying to say, uh, about Washington's chances of moving on, but they're going to get get a big Oregon team, and this is a big rivalry, as you guys already know, so they'll... 
I've seen Washington stand up to the challenge, and I've also seen them wet themselves, most notably in the bowl games over the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think Oregon has, because they have the balance and they have the momentum, um, I know Washington won last week against Arizona, but they have the momentum following them. I think Oregon's going to be a very tough opponent for Washington to sort of select. Yeah, Oregon has a ton of experience, you know, all across that offensive line. Obviously, Herbert, they really are a bunch of upperclassmen, so they should be doing that. My thought for you, you look at a team like, and even Utah has a lot of seniors, you look at a team like ASU and Washington, which very well both those teams could finish second in their divisions this year, which isn't bad because Mm -hmm. most of the team, most of the lineup that they're running out, they're underclassmen or certainly not seniors. At what point, though, can you get beyond, well, he's a young player? Because we're halfway through the season are we there or do you still need more time right at this point right at this point that's when you 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 stop making excuses for um the younger players or you know expecting more of the 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 players the the reason why we mentioned earlier that the game saved between arizona state and utah is revealing because we've also seen in the past how utah has had trouble latter part of the year well this is a statement game it's it's a, it's a time when your guys, whether they've been there for a while, your senior leadership is supposed to take over, and you're supposed to find a way to rally to win these games. This is around the time where it comes it becomes evident. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network, and Oakland Raiders analyst, joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, at some point, there's a team that catches fire midseason and just takes off, and it's not always a team with a great record. Is there right. anybody right now who's kind of got a mediocre record who you think they ought to look out? Everyone in the comments ought to look out for because they're about to catch fire. Uh, there's, I mean, again, we'll we'll find out so much about this conference as a whole this weekend with the matchups. Um, I, I think people, you know, for example, I think people are starting to talk about Washington State because, you know, after you know Leach's comments, how are they going to respond? And you saw the, the way they're playing. Well, now they're zero and three in the conference, and that's surprising for a lot of people, including myself, because I think that Washington, you know, Wazoo was not going. I didn't think they were going to win the division, but I thought they were more capable, uh, especially in the division. So there are teams where you you sit there and say, "Wow, I didn't see that one happening. Um, I didn't see the early success of Cal, but you know they." Still still know they had problems on offense, so they were going to struggle, but it, I thought the defense was going to carry them a couple games, and it did. But, you know, have a 4-2 and two record at this point was, was surprising, in my opinion. I didn't think I, I saw that coming. Um, Arizona State is definitely a surprise. Uh, I thought with the youth, even though their defense, especially their secondary being their strength, I thought with the youth as on offense, they were going to struggle more than they did. And I'm really impressed with the fact that they've had, you know, some senior leadership or some uh, veteran leadership. A lot of guys like Eno you know, Benjamin and stuff like that really step forward and help them, you know, propel themselves. Um, USC is always dangerous because they've got the, they've got the playmakers inconsistent quarterback play and really after watching that Notre Dame game I mean I don't only really recognize the USC team that I'm seeing this year with this past happy offense because I think they have the talent in running back where they should be able to run the ball better than they do um, but you know they're, they're very pass happy so there's a lot of questions that will be answered for me this weekend I don't see anybody really separating themselves because if Oregon is as good as they are they're going to continue going if Utah is as good as they really are they're going to continue going um, but they have some definite chances uh, definite big uh, steps to overcome both those teams that we talked about 
So the Devils beat Washington State on that last drive, and afterward, Herm Edwards in the locker room, I saw it on Twitter, they put it out there, saying, hey, guys, you're going to give me a heart attack, you know, because all these games <laughs> they play, every one of them is right down to the end. It's, it's yeah. Are they going to make a play at the end or not? And if they do, they win the game. If they don't, they don't. I mean, that's you look at their season this year, they didn't, they didn't make a play against Colorado, they lose. They make the yeah. play against Cal and Michigan State and Washington State, they win. So right. where I wanted to go with this from you, from the former player perspective, that you have is when you look at Herm at any point on the sideline, he is totally under control. Like, hey, guys, I got this. We're good. Let's keep playing. You contrast that to his predecessor, Todd Graham, and he looked like he was going to blow up. (laughs) Then you go uh, 100 miles to the south when Rich Rod was down there, and it was an earthquake measuring about 9-0. How much does that affect the players, the demeanor of the coach doing what Herm does versus what we saw in the two coaches down there in the desert before who looked like they were ready to go nuts the second something went wrong? The true testament of a good coach is if he's able to instill his personality on his team as a whole. That's the way it is. A team is supposed to take on a coach's personality. If it's calm and collective and we're going to see this thing through and, and you know, uh, times of tribulation, then, then that's what's going to happen. If you ha- hit the panic or you hit, you know, you, you, you hit a, um, uh, sort of a, a, just an attack of tirade, then you're going to panic in, in, in game time situations and you're probably not going to, you're not probably not going to succeed more than you fail because, you know, you, you're not th- totally thinking through. So I think the personality of the coaches you're referring to is sort of overcoming their, uh, taking over their team. But it also has to transcend to the quarterback because the quarterback is the most important person out there, right? Um, whether it's you know, generating that last drive or making those, those conscious decisions. You know, we saw Khalil Tate in the Arizona game against Washington feel pressure and start to struggle when he, when he felt the you know, stress of coming from mind. Things started to fall apart in front of him. You know, conversely, when you watch A-State, they were able to march down the field and get that final drive against Wazoo. That's also the, the quarterback sort of taking on the personality of the coach. So I think it has to be transparent. Um, if the coach's personality comes across the team, they'll play that way in the way the coach is. Couldn't agree more. And I think the calm coaches win way more than the totally hyperkinetic agree. coaches. Totally agree. Yeah. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks, and Oakland Raider analysts joining us. Uh, so that said, is uh, are the Raiders about to catch fire? John Gruden, his demeanor on the sideline, tough, the steely eyes. Well, <laughs> Kansas City you know, just funny. looking a little vulnerable. They have a camera committed to him every single oh, game. Yeah. And I tell John, you know, they're watching you, right? And he knows it. He knows it. There are times he plays up to it. Because he's really, in real life, he's not like that. But there are things, times where he's actually showing out for the camera, and, and, and he loves it. Uh, that's things that he, he's definitely big for. But, look, the Raiders have got their issues, uh, own issues. I mean, the last game against the Bears, yeah, they, they were – the receiving core was completely decimated and depleted. Um, and now it's a chance with the two weeks to get everybody healthy. So we'll see if, if they're able to make a run. But going to Green Bay is not easy. So I'm actually glad that Green Bay won that game last night because they don't lose back-to-back games at Lambeau very often. So um, if the Raiders have a chance now, maybe Green Bay is look, overlooking them possibly. Who knows? Um, and then uh, then going to Houston. So we've still got to finish out this long road trip. And the teeth of the schedule is just heating up for the for these guys. So they say that penalties are up in the NFL by two, and then we saw in the Green Bay-Detroit game two very controversial calls. calls. Uh, Emphasis? What's going on as to why these things are happening? There is an emphasis um, to, 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 to officiate the game, but the problem comes into now is that, you know, with all the speculation and, and conjecture about the, the pass interference rule and the, the replay and how it's going to slow the game down, um, 
it's becoming blatantly obvious that the, the people and, and, of course, the coaches and team just want you to get it right. And I think what you saw last night with the Monday night game, especially with the illegal hands to the face, is that if you can be seen from camera that his hand was, you know, Trey Flowers' hand was not in the face of the face mask of the offensive tackle, then why can't it be seen by the umpire who's standing right there? And more importantly, when is instant replay, I guess, going to come into view? Because that's going to be the, 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 the conversation that, that's going to generate this week. When is instant replay come into view for almost every penalty thrown to see whether or not it's, it, it is? There's going to be more and more outcry for the rest to get it right. And as a fan, that's all I want. Just get it right. Uh, it, whether it's pass interference or not, whether it's you know holding or not, just get it right. Don't get it so blatantly wrong when it's a, uh, an obvious uh, you know situation where uh, it can change the outcome of the game. Don't get it so wrong not once but twice and think that we you can justify it or we can defend you on the other end. As a guy who's blamed a lot of referees for a lot of losses by a lot of San Diego teams specifically. <laughs> I can tell you the first time I got a pass working at a station in Sacramento and I was on the field for an NFL game, uh-huh. and I'd been on the field for college games, I was blown away by how fast the big sloppy guys were. Not the sleek, but the big sloppy guys in the middle were unbelievably fast. So in a call, actually, even though these calls were wrong, you know, they slow-mo them and they put a circle on them and they blow it up right. so you can see it. Well, the refs right. don't get that. And if you're right. down on the field for an NFL game, I'm telling you, defensive tackles, you can look, oh, the 300-pounders, and he eats three steaks, and, and the guy is unbelievably fast. So a little bit of um, forgiveness for the refs because that is actually a hard job. Yeah, but you know what? It, it goes even further than that. I mean, I take it back to the uh, – what was it? The, when the when – the, 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 let me slow down. The Detroit Lions uh, safety and the uh, Green Bay Packer receiver were both going for the ball, but the hit was so – it looked so much – because of the receiver was down for a while, mm-hmm. they called it unnecessary roughness, hitting a defenseless receiver. And, of course, when you slow it down, you see them both going for the ball. So, according to the rule, they both have the opportunity. They yep. both should be entitled yep. to the ball. How is this unnecessary roughness? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. And, I'm totally with you. I thought they were just both trying to – one guy was trying to catch the pass, the other was trying to intercept yep. it. And yep. they just happened to arrive at the same space at the same instant, and it was helmet to and, helmet. And that's where you know, I think they're over-policing the game. Yeah. And I think that's what also has added to the number of penalties that has been called. Yeah. All right, Lincoln, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes, as always, and we'll talk to you again next week. Okay, guys, have a good one. Appreciate it.